with me now, the whole time. You know, kind of got me second guessing on what, on what the Lord had given in the sense of its presentation. Because as you can see, it's a little, it's a little different uh, right now. I'm not one to bring the chair up too often, but um, I just feel that uh, the uh, palette style, uh, presentation style, excuse me, uh, of of this this particular message uh, didn't didn't really constitute my my normal flow. I just kind of wanted the fireside chat this one. Let's just uh, let's just conversate. Let's 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 talk uh, a little bit because it is it is it is extremely important. Hit, hit me out now, please. It's extremely important, extremely vital that that we do keep our praise. Okay. In, in all circumstances bless the Lord at, at, at all times his, his praise shall continually it's something that's constantly flowing from me as long as I got breath as, as long as I'm, I have uh, awakened and clothes on my back and, and food uh, that was in the fridge and, and I had a vehicle to get me here or if I didn't have a vehicle I had a friend who had a vehicle that was able to get and, and, and as long as the puzzle pieces of my life are constantly coming together and I can see the hand of God constantly moving and flowing within my life that in and of itself is always and will forever remain a reason to give God the still does not negate the fact that there might be something going on in my soul. And, and a lot of times we we will use we will use praise to God and an opportunity to to get get that expression out in church as the compensation for not wanting to do the work in the soul. A lot of times it will it will be used that way. And yes, I'm, I cannot put a cap on God as to what it is that he can do through my praise. Yet at the same time, I know that there are things that must be examined within me. And there are conclusions that I come to. There are habits that I have. There's a default setting that I go to when I'm upset, when things don't go my way when things aren't happening like I want them to happen. I have this default setting that I might go to that I might not be able to find consistency in Scripture. And I have to examine why it is that I'm going to that. I feel it's very quiet in social media land right now, but that's okay. That's okay. Because these are, these are things that we got to talk about, and this flows uh, within... The theme that we've been having all year, the, the year of the soul, it's, it's imperative that, that we have these conversations and that we keep this dialogue going because um, it, it was prayed by the Apostle John that he would, that we would prosper and be in good health, even as the soul, even as the soul prospers. So um, I'm going to invite everybody to turn to First uh, Samuel chapter 16 1 Samuel chapter 16 and Psalm 23 1 Samuel 16 and Psalm 23 
1 Samuel 16, Psalm 23. We're going to uh, continue the, the conversation uh, with, with Dr. Zorders. Uh, Dr. Zorders, last week, uh, was, was, it, was it a blessing to us? Side effect? Side effect was good to us. Good, good. Praise the Lord. I know, know it punched me real good. There's a few side effects that come through every now and then what it is that that's been said and what it is that God has said to me it's good good to know though that those side effects are not something uh, to be alarmed by that I'm necessarily on the wrong track it could be something that's that's right on schedule and it's just a conversation that I need to have with the Holy Spirit as to why why it is I'm side affecting in, in the way that I am so today is just our doctor's orders part two and I want us to uh, examine uh, for, for the next few minutes or so. I don't think that this message is, is going to be uh, too long, but uh, I want us to look at uh, David a little bit and see some of the uh, prescription, if you will, in the name of uh, keeping the theme going, the, the prescription, the, the remedy, the order he was given within his life and how he used that and what it what it says and what it speaks to, to us within our time because it was a specific order that he was given and we're going to look, look at the text it's actually something that, that we've talked about uh, a little bit but I wanted to bring bring the same conversation back around and put a little more context into it so we can get a, a, a bigger picture as of what God is saying but let's, uh, let's pray right quick Father we thank you for this time we bless you we honor you we thank you for your presence that's been with us throughout this time throughout our time together it's a worship service rendered unto you and we can sense your presence in this place we acknowledge you as the holy one we thank you for the strength that's about to be added from this word thank you that the grass withers the flower fades dependence again be upon what it is that you've said. We know that you have something to say to us today, Lord. And so we open our hearts, we open ourselves up to be instructed, to be challenged, to be inspired, to be corrected, to be loved, to be comforted. As you, O Holy Spirit, are the, are the master communicator. No one does it like you. And so we open ourselves up. I ask that I would not trip over my own insecurities. I would not trip over my own thoughts. Help me to say it and preach it the same way that has been given to me. May we all walk away with a greater understanding, a greater trust. But when my doctor orders something, it's exactly what it is that, that I need in the time that has been given to me. Thank you to everyone, including the one holding the microphone, is about to walk away strengthened and empowered. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. as I said, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 23, the, the life of David. Uh, Psalm 23, uh, theologians, most theologians agree and say that David wrote that particular psalm when he was fairly young. He, he, he 
was fairly young, he was still uh, in, in, his, in his shepherding time and in his shepherding days. And we know, we know that that was his, uh, well, at least biblically speaking, his first job before he went on to, to become king. But we, we can look at, uh, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 16 around the time that he, that he was anointed king. Because it, it gives us uh, not a lot, but it gives us enough context to be able to look at and get a snapshot of what his growing up was like. What his growing up was like in, in, in some of the conditions that, that he had to face. And that we're going to look at that and connect it to uh, a, a remedy and a prescription that God gave to him to be able to help him navigate everything that he needed to navigate to get him to his to get him to his kingship and what i'm getting at is is that is it's is the same flow that we've been in pretty much uh, all year is that along the way and along this journey uh, of life i'm thinking about a, a song of old i want jesus to walk with me while i'm on this tedious journey I need Jesus to walk with me. Well, as Jesus is walking with me, sometimes I, I, I forget that there are going to be checkpoints. There's going to be checkpoints as, as I'm moving and as I'm navigating with the Lord. And as I'm navigating with the Lord and those checkpoints are there, checkpoints are there just to make sure that everything is on kilter as it should be. Kind of like take, taking your car for the tune-up ever so often. You don't have to take it every month. But ever so often, it's it's good that, that I need to take it to make sure that everything is calibrated and everything is as good as it can be because as it's functioning as it should as a car, things will just get off course. Tires need to be realigned. Air needs to be put back in. And as it works with things like that within the natural, the same thing works with the calibration of our souls. And I have to make sure that things are still moving and flowing in the way that, that they need to. Because as, as I'm moving and going, and going through life, things happen. Life happens. I didn't expect that. Happens. Ouch, that hurt. Happens. You're doing what? Happens. And I've got to have that, check, that checkpoint there available and fully utilize it so that I can get I can get the things back on track in the way I need to. But first Samuel, let's let's rock and roll. First Samuel 16. I'm just uh, pulling certain verses. I'm not reading everything. So we're going to uh, verse one, verses four through five, and then verses ten through thirteen. Thank you, Lord. First Samuel 16, verse one. Now the Lord said to Samuel, <clears throat> how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. Stop right there. Let's not go nowhere. I have provided myself a king among his sons. 
they're his sons but that's my king they're his sons but out of the midst of them that one's mine even with all his issues all of his things that he don't quite have right we'll, we'll talk about that we, we gonna talk about that but that's my king that's my king I don't know about y'all but I hear you belong to me and see sometimes I, I think we we don't really let that sink in in the way that it should what it is to, to belong. Paul said it this way, that, that God has accepted us in the beloved. You've been accepted in the beloved. I found for myself a king. You've been accepted in the beloved. You know what that does? That calms me down from trying to get somebody else to accept me. That, that calms me down and especially for us in this current generation in this generation where I, where I will fluff up and make up a photo to where I try and get rid of every blemish that I got every dark spot that I got every acne pimple that I got every gap in my teeth that I got and I try and do all of these things to make myself look this kind of way that I am not but I need to put on this persona to these people that I don't even know my life know anything I'm doing that's going to add to their own me there's nothing that they're doing that's going to add to my life know anything I'm doing that's going to add to theirs but for some reason I've gotten caught in this trap and in this whirlwind that I need their acceptance but there's there's one set of acceptance that I need and as far as he is concerned thank you Lord for, for the thread that's been flowing today he has something to say and what he has said is, I found for myself. Nobody else had to go looking for this. I didn't tell anybody else to go looking for this. I went on the journey for this. I went looking for them. And I found for me. I found for me. Amongst his boys. My next king. Can I tell you that there's a value that there's a value that you hold within yourself enough that it put God on the hunt? God went on the hunt and, and he found you and he found me. He chose you. He chose me because there's something that's within. And that's why we have to have these conversations that we're having about the aches and the wounds within our soul. Because we've got to get those things cleared out so that you can see the true value that you hold enough for him to come and look for you and select you in the midst of the others. I found for myself. I found for myself a king amongst his sons. Verse 4, Tristan, please. Verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said because they had, they had a conversation about that because Samuel was saying, uh, Saul's still in power, although you have, you know, move, moved on. He still technically holds the seat. And if he finds out about this, he's going to try and kill me. So the Lord says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to masquerade it uh, as an offering. And you're going to go, and you're going to go in, but you're still going to do what I told you to do. So, verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said. He went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. 
And they said, do you come peaceably? Meaning you're not coming to bring us no bad news from the Lord, are you? We're not in trouble again, are we? So verse 5, please. And Samuel said, I come peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 10, please. Now, uh, context again, all of the sons that were consecrated. We just read that verse, right? He consecrated Jesse and his sons, and they all went with Samuel to the sacrifice. Now, all those sons have now gone before Samuel. None of them are the, the one that God has selected. Of course, this is where the famous verse comes in within, within this chapter uh, when Samuel says of Eliab, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him, to which God says, I do not judge by our appearance, but I judge by what's going on within the heart. And evidently, all of those other sons who had passed before uh, Samuel, passed before the Lord, the Lord said that there's something that's going on within them that does not make them fit to, to be my selection. So verse 10, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Next verse, Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, but there he is keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. We will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. He's kind of uh, red, red faced. Excuse me. With bright eyes and good looking. The Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And went to Ramah. Give me uh, verse 10 again, please, Tristan. Verse 10. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Give me uh, verse 11. There's, there's something specific that I'm trying, trying to pull out. But before I get to that, let's just talk a little bit. So we see that David is coming from a large family where he is where he's the youngest he's the youngest of the boys yeah evidently there is a different treatment to him uh, in in comparison to to everybody else I didn't include uh, this within it but it can fit later on when Israel is facing the terror of Goliath uh, David becomes a pizza boy if you will and is delivering cheese to his brothers uh, on, on the battlefield my, my point being that, that there's, a, there's a different perspective that Jesse that dad because we, we, don't, we don't really get any uh, take on where mom is what, what happened to her or anything like that but evidently Jesse has this different perspective on David that he does not have uh, on the other boys uh, his historical context lead, leads us to believe that Jesse 
uh, may, may have gotten involved in, in a bit of an extramarital affair to which David was, was the result of. So David is the result, you know, uh, in somewhat, somewhat of an in, innuendo here, just, just insinuation. I don't think there's any strong fact to this, certainly nothing in Scripture. But the circumstances that brought about his birth, there are no fault of his own causes him to be put in this situation to where he is getting this less than optimal treatment from one that he is supposed to trust. I don't know why dad don't really care for me, but obviously there's something about, there's something about him to where, to where he doesn't. So the, the excuse, I'm, I'm not trying to say a bad word here, but it just fits within the, the context of this. I think we all grown in here. But the, the bastard-like nature of, of his birth, something that had nothing to do with a personal choice of his, but more than likely something to do with the fact of every time Jesse sees him, it reminds him of something. And we're talking about a, a, a time and a culture to where uh, morals were pretty high standard. And when it comes to serving the Lord, when it comes to being the people of God, there is a certain order that has to be kept about within my life. And if I've got this reminder, this stigma, happens to be my son, but I choose not to see him that way. So much so that I give him the job and the role that keeps him out of my sight the furthest. I put him with the sheep. So I don't have to keep looking at him and keep being reminded of what it is that, that has happened. Then I, in some kind of way, can anesthetize my, my pain and anesthetize the, the error that I've made if I can distance myself from it. Kind of reminds me too, uh, uh, if you remember in um, First Chronicles chapter 4, I believe it is, when we introduce a Jabez. Jabez meaning pain. And he only got that name because of the experience of somebody else. Here's, here's all I'm trying to get at. Have we ever suffered a slash or two, a wound internally, a scar within the soul at the hands of someone else? Something that truth be told, like I, I couldn't do nothing about it anyway. Just, just the, the circumstances that were at hand, I was completely powerless and, and had absolutely nothing to do with the situation and the circumstance that happened to come and happened to be at hand, yet I was one that walked away with a scar that happened in that moment. I can't stand you, boy. Go out there and handle those sheep. 
What do I do with that? You get on my nerves, you just like your daddy. What do, what do I do with that? What, what do I do with those kind of stigmas and those kind of pains that come and chop and, and most of the time, if the enemy is going to expose a tactic like this, he's going to do it while you are a youth. More than likely, this does not happen and this does not hit us when we are grown and gone out of mom and daddy's house. This comes with, within those vulnerable years. Which this, this, is, this is a clarion call to those of us who are parents of small children. That the enemy has, has painted a bullseye in an attempt for us to, to get us to use our words in a moment of anger and in a moment of discipline. To try and get us to use our words to scar our children and to get them to, to, to move in a certain perception and in a certain way about themselves because of what mama and daddy said. Which is why we, we as the protecting, as the parents of them, their oversight within this moment and within this season of their life, we have to be guarded in what it is that we say and how it is that we say. Because if not, we can set, we can set them up to have to un unwind and rewind and rewire Something that had I, had I been better uh, tuned in better frequency with what it is that the Spirit of God was wanting me to say over my child in that moment, in that day of their mistake, then there are things that would not have been laid out in the way that they got laid out. about Jesse's perspective now let's look at the one who's receiving those things being said wouldn't even know if he knew his mother so for all we know his only report is the distaste that Jesse has for her and so coming up in this kind of environment nobody else got here the same way that I got here constantly being left alone and being left by myself to fend to and try to come to some sense of conclusion so it would be quite natural for him to be asking while he's out there in the pasture with the sheep there's something wrong with me is, it, is, it, is, there, is there something that's off Am I really that difficult of a guy to get along with? Is all that that's being said really true? Am I, am I really that stupid? Is, is life really going nowhere? Am I really going to end up with all of those things happening just like they happened with all my uncles and just like it happened with my dad and just like it happened with my grandfather? Am I really destined for that to be the same lot? And see, when, these, when those conversations are happening, when those things 
are, are said to us within our youth and I'm, I'm not sure you know what it is for you 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 can go back within your youth and and and, and come to certain places where things were said and whatnot those are attempts of assassination on your soul because remember the place of the soul is a place where you make your decisions decisions happen within the soul the mind the heart the will and emotions the mind your logic and reasoning the will decisions and choices the emotions desires and impulses and your heart your belief and your convictions so that an attempt to come and assassinate you in that area so that you are not able to make a healthy decision nor a confident one I know there has been a massive assault upon the confidence of the people of God If one would ask you if you believe the text on the pages of the Bible, of course you would say yes. Now if I ask you if you're confident in it, different story. Because we got to remember, our soul is a commodity. The soul is a commodity, which means what? It can be drained and depleted. Which is why it has to be replenished, guarded kept protected because it is a commodity that can be depleted now if I go through life so much with depletion after depletion after depletion happening upon my soul and I don't pay attention to it because it's not my body and therefore I don't think it's as important I don't have the muses that I need to be able to make a healthy decision when the word of the Lord comes to me I don't have anything to really put confidence within it because I didn't realize, but bit by bit, there was an assassination happening on my soul. Through the different things that were said to me that gave an impact, but in the name of trying to keep going, in the name of keeping paying the bills, in the name of I got to get this done, in the name of this job has got to get done, I kept going and I kept moving. My family had to keep going, the kids had to go off to school, and everything else had to keep going, but I did not stop. really assess the slashes the hurts the pains and here David is he's completely ostracized completely put to the side completely cast away yet thanks be to God we get the full picture that even in the midst of that we know he wasn't alone we know he wasn't alone. This is where the this is where the development of, of his strongest attribute, his ability to tap into the presence of God. That that set of unfortunate circumstances built the platform for his greatest strength. So much so that even though if, when you look at the chronology of his life, it is full of mess up after error after screw up. Still his, strong, his, his greatest strength remains intact throughout that entire time that he got started from daddy not really caring for him. 
What am I saying? That even in that deepest hurt that you still don't want to talk about. That you still try not to get real about. Could, could, could that be an opportunity for, for a sense of stability? What if what I'm so afraid to talk about is actually what God is trying to use as a stilt to help me stand on? To help me stand on so that there's something that I can show both to him and to others. That I was weak. Yet he made me strong. I was broken. Yet he put me back together. Put me back together. I, I'm a son. Dave is a son. And I know that as a son, if, dad, if dad's got an issue with me and won't talk to me about it, but just continues to act down in a way where I have to keep guessing, that's draining. And that hurts. And that depletes. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, been in a particular situation, you know, quite like that. I don't have to get prophetic to know that there are things in life that have depleted you. There are actions at the hands of others that have taken away. And although it took away, there is a remedy. Let's go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Classic text. Show all my Bible scholars they know it. If you grew up in vacation Bible school, you know this was mandatory. Mandatory that you knew this one. I want to read, uh, I'm just going to read the first three verses. I'm going to do it in the Passion Translation, but I'm also going to do it in the New King James. Because New King James uh, says it in a way that I think we need to examine. Passion Translation, the Lord is my best friend. And my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me on an oasis of peace, a quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. And give me a, uh, yeah, New King James. Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. Makes me lie down in the green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters. Restores my soul. restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name. Say, give me verse 2 of New King James. So just go back. One. Yes, sir. Right there. So the remedy, the conclusion that David comes to, because uh, 
as far as looking at the time frame of when he wrote this he wrote this when he was young he was still in his shepherding days so that means he has gone through what he's gone through in his experience and his in his household and walking through everything that he's walked through with the ostracizing of his father his father not really caring for him not really knowing his full story and what it is that's happening so he comes to this conclusion and he pins this psalm in the midst of all of that happening the Lord is my shepherd I know what that's like because that's what I do and in the same way that I'm shepherding these sheep and I'm caring for these sheep and I'm making sure that these sheep have what it is that they need because sheep don't know what they need in the time that they need it they need someone else to come along and say this is what you need in this moment Otherwise, the sheep are going to be lost. They're going to die. They're going to fall by the wayside. So I shepherd them. And in the same way that I'm shepherding them, the Lord is doing that for me. Even in the midst of my soul being hurt as much as it is, my remedy for that. Now listen, remedy, remedy, remedy means that the Lord being the shepherd, is the answer to the healing of the ache in the soul what i'm getting at with that is once again what i was mentioning uh, at, at the beginning of the message we can become addicted to this time and we become addicted to message after message sermon after sermon song after song yet when we look at the full scope and totality of our life, we're not actually taking what it is that was given and using it as the tool that it's supposed to be used so that the ache is no longer there. Some of us have heard message after message and I'm still aching. So if I hear message after message because the word is supposed to be the tool, the word is active, the word is sharp, the word is the, is the, but there's nothing that's actually changing of choice of the Holy Spirit. If I'm getting that, but there's nothing that's actually changing and evolving and growing with me, I've got to check if I'm actually allowing the tool to be used on me. Am, am I actually allowing the full presence of God to really shepherd me? Because the shepherd might lead me in a time to where there would be something required of me, an action step that has to be done so that the ache is actually removed. Because what's not supposed to be happening is me being infiltrated with word and being at the same time until I die that is not the kingdom he came to heal the brokenhearted not just acknowledge that you got a broken heart and let you stay that way I came to heal them I came to bring my physician skill to those who are sick. Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick are the ones who need the physician. Why? So that they don't have to stay sick. And if I've got access to the one who is the great healer of the soul, I got to be willing to bear the soul so that there's a healing that can take place. So that I don't need him to heal it anymore. 
that's what this conversation is about. That's what the year of the soul is about. To where I don't have to keep coming back to God about the same thing. Because I actually hold the testimony. Oh, he healed me of that one. Oh, yes. I, I got a story on that. He healed me of that. His hand of grace came. And it took some work now. It took some work. It was, it was more so on me because I didn't want to let it go. But it means not wanting to let it go. Could that be a sign that I have built my life around it? That what, what I'm calling a pain and what I'm calling uh, a wound that I need to be healed from is secretly my crutch. It's secretly my crutch that I lean on because I don't know life outside of the scope of pain. I don't know life outside the scope of pain. See, see, children of Israel went through a moment like this because there was a time where God was providing absolutely everything for them. Remember that? They came out of the wilderness and he's providing manna, he's providing quail, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. But when they cross over into the promised land, all of that ceases. So now you've got to develop a scope of life in freedom. See, a lot of us shout hallelujah two-step that we're free. But to whom much is given, much is required. The walk of freedom's got a different step to it than the walk of bondage. And a part of that we see here within the text that the Lord is the shepherd. And in him being my shepherd, I have no want, I have no need, I, I have no, no urging pull or desire pulling at me that the Lord has not fulfilled for me. Now, this is what I wanted to get at, though, verse 2. That's why I told him to hold it up there for me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He made David. The Bible don't just have words on accident. He made him lay down in those green pastures. Implying what? That there must have been some kind of fight and struggle from David. Well, he had to be made. Could have said that he asked me to lay down in the green pastures and I happily obliged. Yeah, that's why we're laughing because none of us do that. Ever so often the doctor will order prescription that this must be done and you don't have a choice you gonna slow down this is, this is hitting a little very close because I can go back immediately and see areas in my life where God said oh you don't want to slow down okay I will make you lay down in this green pasture 
But in making me lay down, whatever the moment was that made it happen might have been a strong moment and might have been painful within that. But I've got to look at the complete scope because remember, he is the physician who has given this prescription. And a part of the prescription is I'm going to make you lay down here, which means in the laying down, there is a healing of some kind for my soul. That without being made to lay down, I'm going to miss out on, but because of my skewed perspective, I'm thinking that I'm headed in the right direction. I don't need to lay down, Lord. I got stuff to do. I don't need to lay down. Things to go, things to be conquered, things to take care of, bills to pay, jobs to get, businesses to start, etc., etc. Being made to lay down makes me lie down. I dug into that, into the original language a little bit. It means to crouch down on all four legs, folded like a resting animal. I don't know if you've ever been out in the pasture and, and seen, seen, uh, seen cows, or you can actually see this with deer, or any four-legged animal, that when, when they lay down, there's a particular folding of their legs that they do to get their get their massive body onto the ground and to take a rest now in most cases with that that puts them in a vulnerable position because like two-legged creatures they cannot just quickly jump back up so David's saying here that God is making me get in a vulnerable position get in a vulnerable position As your shepherd, I need you to slow down enough to get vulnerable with me. Also means recline, make to rest. Stretch oneself out or lie stretched out. That honestly made me think of the surgery table. When one is going into surgery, vulnerable position of surgery where I have to trust the process I'm about to be subjected to. Stretching oneself out. Make me lie down in the green pastures. Pastures, habitation, house, home. The Lord makes us find home in Him. It speaks towards the trust we place in the safety of that place. There's a saying home is what? Where the heart is. My heart finding safety in Him is to make that home. So God's calling me to be vulnerable, lie down, crouch down like the four-legged animal, but I'm doing it at home. Look at the brilliance of the physician. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to do that in a place where you are going to be in danger. Because we already took care of that. He's the shepherd. And a part of being the shepherd is vehement protector. To make sure that everything that may be exposed 
from you being vulnerable and everything that may come out of your soul and everything that is about to be exposed rest assured that it will be protected it will be guarded it will not be it will not be spewed all over in different places it's not going to be put somewhere where it's not it's not going to get into the hands or into the mouth or into the ear of someone who who doesn't need to hold it and doesn't need to have that information it's not going to be spread about like that and that's what and that is the clarion call of the house of God the house of God is supposed to be a place to where your soul is able to be laid bare and there is nothing about you that you have any sense of fear that if I go to this place it's going to be used against me that's not what it's built for because he's wanting you to do that at home leads me beside the still waters he leads me he carries guides feeds leads gently and protects and sustains along the way to the refreshing waters leads me beside the still waters now follow me with this leads me beside the still waters not in them beside them so if he's leading me beside them he, he's in front of me or, or beside me however you want to imagine it and when walking beside still waters and in walking beside still waters still waters history tells us is the uh, original inspiration for the mirror that was the mirror of old it wasn't glass it was still waters which gives the ability to reflect gives the ability for me to see past all the noise past all the noise past all the what, what I want it to be past all of the, the chaos that might be going on inside the chaos that may be going on in the mind the still waters of his presence being able to give me an opportunity to properly reflect on what's happening within the heart. And so many of us, we're just so, so busy and going so strong and so hard that I hadn't been reflecting. And so because, because I'm, I'm not reflecting, Help me out, Pastor A.B. I think it's in uh, James, I think it's James chapter 1 where it talks about the man that when, when he does not do what the word says, he becomes like one who looks in the mirror. Yeah, he becomes like one who looks in the mirror. But then when he walks away, he forgets what it is that he sees. So, so if, I, if I walk away and I forget what it is that I see, I have now lost sight of where it is I'm supposed to be going because in the re in the reflection of going to reveal to me without spot or blemish who to me who I really am He's going to reveal to me without spot or blemish who I really am because the waters of my life are finally calm enough for me to be able to see who that really is the king that he found the king that he found is within those reflective waters I see that that gives me the the aim that I need to be going at but James throws in the piece that he throws in that when I am just a listener and I'm not taking action steps with this soul work I'm going to forget 
what I saw. Now, here's a caveat with that. If I forget what I saw, I'm going to have to make up something. Because I don't forget what I saw. So now I done made, I've made up something to go after. I've made up a goal to reach. I've made up what God has called me to, although I really hadn't heard anything because I hadn't been reflected. So I'm going after a cheap copy instead of the priceless original that the reflective water show. You are a priceless original and need not try and model your life after something else that you see that you think is something worth going after. But when I'm not reflective, I'm going to go after a cheap copy. And if copy after copy is made, what's going to happen is resolution is lost in the image. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you make a copy after a copy after a copy, you lose resolution within the image. If you do that long enough, you no longer even recognize what you're looking at. too many of our lives is just chasing after copy after copy after copy and we've got these distorted images running around and calling ourselves trying to capture something from God when I don't have a clear picture of what I'm even going after so much so that something we can't even answer the question what is God saying to you If, if I can't even answer what God is saying to me, that is a clear indication that I don't have a clear picture of the king that he's found. I don't have a clear picture, but good news, if I take the remedy, if I would take the doctor's orders and allow him to make me lie down in the green pastures, and allow him to lead me beside the still waters. Allow him to restore my soul, replenish, fill back up again. This once again is showing how the soul is a commodity. You must do work on the soul. It's a commodity. Evidently, David needed restoration within the soul, which means he lost something in his soul. He lost the optimal level within his soul hence why too we're told by Solomon to do what? guard your heart with all diligence that's another way of saying guarding your soul, why? because if I'm not on guard and making sure certain things do not get in they will subtract if I'm not on guard with certain conversations and certain people there will be a subtraction I've got to be on guard and, and David has received the remedy here in Psalm 23 is what makes it such a precious song in the time frame that he wrote it with everything that was going on with him he pins the Lord's the shepherd I ain't get it from daddy and I ain't get it from home but the Lord's the shepherd the Lord's the shepherd now the Lord's my father now the Lord's my provider now I'm sorry you didn't get it at home I'm sorry they said what they said. I'm sorry that they put, it put you in a, a set of circumstances that it did. And that you might have wasted a good bit of time being upset about that. 
but if you would allow me, I'd like to, I'd like to serve as your pharmacist right now. I got a prescription for you. Straight from your doctor. I need you to know he's stepping in to be the shepherd. So we've got that one taken care of. But there's coming a time where I need you to not resist. But I need you to allow him to lay you down. Lay you down. In those, in those vulnerable places. Lay you down in those green pastures. Make you, lead you beside those still waters. Restore your soul for his name's sake. There's a, responsi there's a responsibility, a personal responsibility that he attaches to us being well. Personal responsibility. Takes it so serious that he says his name is on the line if my soul is not made well. And I claim him as to the shepherd for my soul not to be made well and I identify with him as my shepherd. He's not going to let that happen. But I have to follow suit with lying down in the green pastures and being led beside the still waters. But if I don't, we see that I might be made to do it. And I have to be led. I can't lead myself in this process. I got to be led. I got to be led. Let me give you one more scripture and I'm done. Psalm 19, uh, verse 7. Just give me verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Just, just stay there, Tristan. I just wanted to pull that out. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. Just means restoring. Restoring the soul. Showing once again the vitalness of me knowing what God's saying. Of us being people of the word. Of me having a frequency in my ear where I hear what the Lord is saying. Where I hear what's being said. Yes, you can utilize the time that the preaching of the word goes forth. But a devotional life is absolutely necessary on this journey. If my soul is going to be made well. If my soul is going to be made well. Devotion is a must. Because remember, we're, we're headed somewhere. We're headed to prosperity. We're headed to abundance. We're headed to breakthrough. We're headed to good health. We're headed to prosperity. But the caveat is that soul man has got to be worked on and made well first. Because if I neglect and ignore him and use him at the expense of trying to go straight for prosperity, straight for health, straight for breakthrough, I'm going to set myself up for frustration. There's a prescription that's been given for him makes me lie down in those green pastures 
He's going to make me get vulnerable. But I'm doing it at home. So I'm doing it in the best place that I can do it. And I can trust that as I do so, there's a bomb that's going to go over my soul. There's a bomb in Gilead that's going to be washed over my soul to where I will not continue for the rest of my days to carry a testimony of being broken. Carry a testimony of being hurt. My shepherd's a healing shepherd. My shepherd has anointed my head with oil. My shepherd causes my cup to run over. My shepherd causes goodness and mercy to chase me down for all the days of my life and then gives me the invitation to dwell in his house forever. Doctor's orders. I feel the presence of God. Ryan, just keep, keep that going. Family, lift your hands, please. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. good time and we we were we were celebrating and we were blessing the Lord uh, earlier but let us not think that this is not doing the same we're, we're in a still moment but those refreshing waters let them wash over you I'm ready to see a healed body of Christ to see a healed people see souls being made well souls being made well because there, there is a confidence that I have in what it is that God has said there's a confidence that I have in who it is that he says that I am there's a confidence that I have in placing my vulnerabilities in his hand makes me lie down in those green pastures and leads me beside those reflective still waters and restores my soul. You've been running hard, sir. You've been running hard, man. But I would that you would stop by this checkpoint. And let's receive the restoration. I will declare unto you you have not seen your greatest days no, no longer will you live a life reminiscing on yesterday as if that was the best God could do no longer will you just that is not from today That is not the life that God's called you to live. The life in which God has called you to live is one that is exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask, hope, think, or imagine. Which brings a sense of bliss because I know that God's going to go well beyond whatever it is that's in my wildest imagination. But at the same time. I've got the trust of prescription because him going beyond what it is that I think 
meaning that, that he's going to use something that I didn't think about. He might use a route that was never even on my radar. I wasn't thinking about it. But can I trust him even in the midst of that process? Can I still lay my soul bare? Even in the midst of those moments, will I still lay down? Will I still be led? Because if I will, I can have access to that healed soul. And then I can stand completely unashamed. And say unto him, you are the great lover of my soul. And I give you all that I have. And so Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for ministering to us as only you know how. And we thank you that you are great and greatly to be praised. There is no one like you in all the earth. We say hallelujah unto you. And we know that we are well on our way to receiving full restoration, full healing, and being able to that the reflection of those still waters shows us. There's a you inside of you that you have yet to meet. And Lord, we thank you that this journey that you're taking us on in the year of the soul is leading us in that direction. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands. Let me bless you right quick. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, establish and give you peace strengthened in this week. In Jesus' name, thank you so much for joining with us both here in the room and online. You are dismissed. I love you. I believe in you. God bless you.